A play about impermanence, a population under threat, and set in India, sounds like it's just been created in response to the current pandemic crisis. But actor and writer Jacob Rajan wrote the script for Paradise or the Impermanence of Ice Cream just after he and his director Justin Lewis visited India in 2019. Jacob and Justin founded the Indian Inc. company 20 years ago and its back catalogue includes Krishnan's Dairy and The Guru of Chai. The plays were always designed to tour here and overseas, but the pandemics curtailed those overseas shows for the foreseeable future. This new production had a development season last year, and after some significant changes, Paradise is about to tour the country. The play Paradise or the Impermanence of Ice Cream actually had its genesis in Mumbai when Justin Lewis, my director, and I were there on a different scouting trip. And uh, that city... To think of it now in lockdown is incredible because, I mean, we fell in love with that city and a lot of the inspiration for the show is actually, as you say, a love letter to the place and to actually the life force of of India, the spirit of the place, which is, as you know, when when you go there, it's just quite extraordinary to see all of that chaos and vibrancy and humanity, all the different religions all existing together in this kind of amazing, impossible way. And now to see all those images of, of the grief and the, and the loss, I just, I just need to hang on to the, the fact that it's such a resilient country and it's been through so much and that, that humanity and resilience will get them through. But yeah, I I need to hold on to the the Mumbai that I remember as I I go through into rehearsals now and and, um, try and and honour that. So, I mean, you you were there in 2019. You had a preview season of this in 2020. Have you changed anything to reflect what's happening or are you keeping it of, of that time? I mean, there's always something other with your work, you know, something fantastical. It's not... Oh, yeah. Necessarily the here and now. I mean, this is probably one of the most fantastical premises, and and that the the central character wakes up in a room with a vulture, and it's a sort of afterlife uh, limbo. He's he's suspended between life and death, and so and then he's tossed back to uh, when he's a young man in Mumbai, and so that is necessarily a Mumbai of thirty years ago. So we. We don't reflect, you know, the the current situation in India because we are talking about uh, Mumbai of the past. But the the themes of the the play are to do with impermanence, and that is strongly reflected in our times now. Can you tell us more about your central character that you've created? What is his What is his story without giving too much away? Yeah, well, Justin and I kind of cottoned onto this thing now that Indian Ink's been around 20 years, and some of our plays, obviously, have been around that long. And you start to think about the characters from those plays uh, and what they're up to, because they become so real. We're unusual in that we have our plays in repertoire, and they continue to be performed here and around the world. So for something like Krishnan's Dairy, my first play, we, we started thinking, what happened to Mrs. Krishnan 20 years on and wrote Mrs. Krishnan's Party, which is being performed. Mrs. Krishnan now thinking about selling the dairy and going back to India. And it becomes a fertile kind of space in which to have a character that you really know really well and then imaginatively go into their life now. And so we've done a similar thing with Paradise in that we've taken 
a loved character from Guru of Chai Kudasa, the, the dubious spiritual guide. And now he's working at Harvey Norman and, <laughs> and has this kind of life experience and gets thrown back 30 years to when he was a young man in Mumbai to tell this life-changing story, a story which touches on the fate of the vulture, which I don't know whether the listeners know. It certainly was the first time I was introduced to this fact when I was in Mumbai that the vultures in India are vanishing, and it's the fastest mass extinction of all time, and I'd never heard of it. You know, gone from 14 million to a few thousand now within the space of 10 years. It's extraordinary, and it's an extraordinary mystery story that, that actually gets explained in the play. But, of course, we do our Indian inky thing and, and put a, a kind of relationship drama through there as well. As you mentioned, 20 years since Krishnan's Dairy, and that role of the, of the, the solo actor in a new play, does that still exciting for you, Jacob, that whole process? I mean, remarkable, too, that you and Justin have worked together all that time. But, you know, starting a new play... You know, thinking it through, developing it, getting your teeth, you know, <laughs> getting your puppetry together, thinking of the music. You know, is it is it still exciting for you? Yeah, I mean, we we do um, question the whole process and and what are we what are we exploring now that's going to keep us energized and and fresh. And the solo form is kind of become kind of my thing. Well, our tra- a lot of our training actually happened in Italy. And there's a character called the Jolare, which is akin to the court jester. Um, so you have to be able to do lots of voices, change your physicality, uh, have a few tricks. But the essence is still the story that you're telling that is often lampooning the royalty or the, the or satirizing what, what's going on. And there's an element of that in what we do, I think. Not, not a, a, a kind of hard satire, but um, it is definitely seriously reflecting the times. And um, here's a, a clown staring at the abyss, uh, looking at extinction. And we're laughing, but we're also crying at um, what we're doing to the planet. Yeah, all those parallels when you're thinking about extinction and, and population declines mm. and, and death. It's, it, it's, all, it's hard to see anything at the moment without having at least partial... COVID-19 related lens, eh? Absolutely. And of course it was, um, as with everybody and, and everything, when when we were faced with that, initially there was a lot of panic about, okay, we've got a career that relies on mass gathering <laughs> or, and now we're potentially not going to be able to do this anymore. There was that sudden pivot to everything digital and and we took part in that for about a week and then realised uh, it's not really what we do. This is not us. We exist to be in a room with people. And so we just head down and created a new, two new works actually last, last year where Paradise was one and then we've got another one in development, which hopefully will have a showing by the end of this year. And so the, the, it wasn't it wasn't wasted time, and it was it was a great time to actually take your head up and see what is it you actually do, and what is it that you value, and uh, what we value is the shared air of the theatre. We love people coming into a room, entering as strangers and leaving as an audience. That's what we do best. That's what we relish, and that's what we'll continue to do. 
I imagine there's puppetry for the vulture. Mm, yeah. yeah, John Coddington is this um, master puppeteer who has created a extraordinary life-size vulture and um, brings it eerily to life. It's mesmerising. It's a complete scene sealer. He's researched all the, the musculature and the, and the way the wings move and everything like that. He, he's quite brilliant, John. People have a preconception that they're very ugly and they are harbingers of death and they get a lot of bad press, really. But in flight, they are the most graceful and beautiful beings and John just captures it. With Christian and Sterry, of course, we saw mask work. I mean, I had never seen mask work like that on, in, in New Zealand before. Uh, and you've used teeth also. For this work, is it masks and teeth? or It's you... teeth and puppetry. And puppetry. Puppetry is a close cousin of the mask. And that with our work and what I love, again, about the live aspect of theatre is, is the audience imagination has to be in play. We're not feeding you realism. We're giving you some suggestions and then you don't realise it, but you're filling in the gaps. And that is actually what nourishes your soul. When you when you actually visualise a Mumbai that is different for everyone, but you're, in your head you see what's suggested on stage, but it will be entirely different for each person. That's the magic of theatre. That's what hooks us into what I think is a, is a human adaptive response is that our response to story is so ingrained and that we are hardwired to imagine and that's where theatre is a lightning rod for that if it's done well and the mask is a conduit for the imagination so is a puppet you take an inanimate dead thing and then it's the audience that actually imbues it with life you have and a performer that has a certain skill set to be able to to uh, be a catalyst for it. But the audience is actually what's looking at that and saying, I believe, I believe that is real. And then you can take them anywhere. Those teeth, because we were chucking around the idea of doing an exit, but you don't have your teeth, so we're not going to do it. Those teeth are transformative, not only of your appearance, but, I mean, how important are they to you as a performer? You, You know, how do they change how you speak? How do they change your voice? They're quite uncomfortable in your mouth. So you have to get to the stage where... That discomfort is actually your natural, the character's natural being. And so that automatically changes. Uh, the embouchure of your mouth will change the resonances of, of, of your, your vocal quality. And as soon as you have a few clues like that, the character comes. Often in rehearsals, I'll start the scene and then realize I haven't got my teeth in very quickly because it just doesn't sound like the character. Teeth go in and he's back. And, of course, the the beauty of the teeth is not as restrictive as a full mask, but still does the work of a mask in that it transforms. Uh, it's my Dumbo's feather, really, to, to transform me into these other characters because I'm playing, in this show, seven different characters. And so having dialogue, three-hand scenes, four-hand scenes where you're switching fast-paced arguments, fights, the teeth are just that little bit of a boost to amplify me, to get me to a a higher level of um, trance to actually channel all of these characters. And and that's the level of performance it is. It's more like trance. It's like being possessed. That's what the, the teeth and the master do for me. 
you had a development season for this, and that's something that you've really believed in, isn't it? That before you go on tour around the country as you are, you really like to get the audience reaction and work with them and, and get, get that response. Has this changed in any way since that development season? Yeah. Which is what I mean, the development is I'm, for, of course. Yeah, I'm going to rehearsals now. We're, we're essentially uh, having an entirely new set. The the puppet's gone modif- done modifications. The the script has has lost five scenes, probably six pages. So it's all tightening and clarifying what the story is, the heart of the story is, and um, we can only know that by doing it in front of an audience. And that's what the development season is about. The play is just wiring. The audience is what lights it up. And so when you plug it into the audience, you see the bits that light up and the bits that don't then you rewire to try and get that thing happening and now I think we've got a really tight script the set is now going to sing in harmony with that script and um, David Ward our composer has done this extraordinary uh, sound design which we've never approached I know other people have done this kind of surround sound kind of thing Um, But because the set is so simple and yet has to evoke so many different locations, what we actually said, we don't put the the pressure on the set to do that. It's actually the sound design that locates everything. So the sound design is hyper-real. So the traffic of Mumbai is actually traffic of Mumbai, and it's surrounding you. And uh, just every location is, is made via sound. So the audience is completely embedded in a sound world that will locate them wherever they are. We touched on this before, but, I mean, Indian Inc. has worked very hard to have this repertoire, this international repertoire. What impact has COVID-19 having uh, for Indian Inc. at the moment? I mean, how many, in theory, how many plays might you have had going on around the world without this? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we have an American agent, uh, and we've been touring for the last 10 years in America, and that's been a, a huge market for us. We've been touring to Singapore and Australia. We had tours lined up. Actually, Mrs. Christian's party was um, managed to just sneak in uh, a few seasons in Hawaii and came back and, and we hit lockdown. But we were due to do more touring in North America later that year. That obviously couldn't happen. But um, the agent, bless him, has booked us in for Paradise, this latest play, we have seasons booked for 2022. So I don't know what they're thinking, <laughs> but but they're obviously very confident that it will happen. And we, of course, fingers crossed, we, we will we will jump at it. But um, I don't know. From where I'm st- sitting at the moment, that still seems quite a gamble that that will happen. But, but you know, we can but hope. Jacob Rajan, Paradise or the Impermanence of Ice Cream, starts its 11-centre national tour in Wellington. We're lucky on the 20th of May at Te Aoha.